0: One of the things that's true is that I love Mother's Day. Um, I know I'm supposed to say that, but I really do. In fact, I like Mother's Day more than I like Father's Day. Because, and I think the reason for it is simply because if I look back over the course of my life, um, and I think about not only the, the mom's... Um, but but kind of the women that poured into my life a little bit, you know, that played that mother kind of role, that's pretty important, pretty critical to me. Uh, being who I am, especially, I mean, I got the nurturing at home. I got, um, you know, raised well at home, uh, but it was not necessarily a Christian family. But when I went to church, I had women at church that poured into me that that purposely took time, effort, energy. To throw um, faith and instruction and training and love and nurture my way. Uh, And I recognize that. And then I think about my kids, and I think I've told you this before, but I think about Melody Mossman in the nursery every stinking week, making it really easy for us to drop Travis and Aubrey off. Uh, And I think about Christy Smith. Christy Smith taught preschool every week for Sunday school when Travis was in that room. And Christy Smith loved Travis so much and poured into Travis and would pick him up and would take him out to the family museum or, uh, I don't know where, Jungle Bungle, and they would play and have a good time. Nancy Johnson was an older widowed gal at the church who took Riley for lunch and prayed with her and offered her instruction. Sharon Collins, an an older lady in our church, some of you have met her, she's been here a couple of weeks, who took Carrie under her wing and poured into Carrie and and showed her what a life of, of service and ministry could look like. And then here, we've got, we've got people that pour into Travis and they pour into Aubrey and, and, and they come alongside us. And it, it just, listen to me, Mother's Day is a big deal, not just for mothers, but also for the people that come alongside and mother us. Uh, ladies in the church, whether you've had kids or not, uh, whether they're your kids or grandkids or not, we just appreciate you so much. And so we wanna take a minute before we start today and we just wanna say thank you. Um, thanks for everything that you do. Um, It does not go unnoticed. We appreciate you like crazy. And so happy Mother's Day. That being said, oh yeah, sure. (laughs) I said I love Mother's Day. I didn't say I was smart about it. Yeah, clap, of course. (laughs) A couple of housekeeping things before we start. If you did not get a chance to get a family picture taken, please do so after the service. Dean will be there ready to take those. So uh, go ahead and pop out after the service for that. Now, on a different note, most of you know this. Um, some of you maybe not. But but we had a tragedy in our family uh, just this past week, and that's what church is. Church is a family. Uh, we love and care for one another like family. That's one of the reasons why we become covenant members. We say, hey, we are committed. We are all in with the church and with the body here. And unfortunately, in our family, we had a tragedy. Chauncey Rao. Um, died in a house fire, um, and his, one of his children, Isaac, was badly burned, and uh, Brittany and the other two kiddos are okay, um, as okay as they can be. Um, Isaac is um, in the intensive care unit um, getting burn treatment. He is still critical, uh, but he's um, as good as he can be expected to be at this point in time, and so I want to I ask you, I want to beg you, to take your responsibility as Christians to pray for him and for that family seriously. This isn't a cursory prayer kind of thing. This isn't a um, I, I just I, I tossed a prayer up there this morning as I brushed my teeth, so we're good to go. This is I want you to be broken in prayer for this family because they are broken. And we love them and we care for them and they've committed themselves. And part of them committing themselves to this body was them trusting us to be the body of Christ to them. And this is our opportunity to do that. So this is not something we can take lightly. Many of you have helped with donations, clothes, things like that. Uh, If you have, fantastic. Those are going to be put to great use. If you have not purchased clothes, but you were planning to do so, I'm going to ask you to hold off and you can do one of two things: you can either wait until we know more what's necessary after all of the donations are sorted and looked at, and we'll let you know what's needed. Or um, it's always helpful. Financial donations are always helpful. Uh, if you've got things that you've purchased or collected, please bring them. We're going to use those. But but if you haven't purchased yet or you haven't yet, then. Um, financial is a good way to do that. If you want to make a check to the church or donate to the church, we'll get it routed to them. Uh, just write that it's for the Rao family um, on there, and otherwise they have a GoFundMe page and, and an account set up at Walker Bank um, that, uh, that they'll be able to access. So I'm going to pray for them now, um, and as I do that, praise team will come up and, and we'll, we'll get ready to go. Heavenly Father, God, we just love you so much, and we just thank you um, for the bittersweet. Uh, for this, this, uh, this, this Mother's Day. Um, God, we, we recognize that, that on a day like today that it would be easy to wallow. But God, ultimately, we trust you. And we thank you. We thank you. Even on a day like today, we thank you. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are gracious. We thank you that you are kind. We thank you that you love us with a love that we can't possibly fathom. We thank you uh, for the life that we have, yes, temporarily, but we thank you for the eternal life that we have through your son, Jesus Christ, life that Chauncey knows, and he's experiencing even now. God, we just ask you to be with us as we, as we gather for worship, as we, um, as we sing praises to you, as we hear from your word, as we deal with, with grief and celebrate Mother's Day all at once, that, uh, that you just be with us and, and move in power among us. God, we love you, and we praise you. Amen. Um, here we are today, and we're celebrating Mother's Day. And Mother's Day is awesome because moms and, and those who mother us um, are awesome. And yet at the same time, I, I, I will confess to you that I am just heartbroken. Um, and, uh, you know, as I sit here and I think and I process, and I kind of, to work through this a little bit, Uh, There's something that I can't help but think of, and and that's that um, the roller coaster that I have right now of. I want to celebrate because it's Mother's Day and mothers are awesome, and yet at the same time I'm heartbroken. And it's um, you ever eat Sour Patch Kids? At first they're sour, and then they're sweet. It's like that, except not really, because this one just keeps going back and forth. It's up. It's down. Um, it's, it's full of joy. There's breakfast. There's this morning, you know, we had a bunch of guys come together that, that were helping to make breakfast. And by the way, if you enjoyed breakfast this morning, thank some of the guys that were working, but really, you know who you need to thank is Becky Luchin. Um, she made it about as idiot proof for us as you could make it. Uh, and we still probably messed it up to a degree, but, but, but she worked hard to make sure that we could look good serving breakfast. And so thanks for the guys that are doing that, and, and thanks to her. But even as we were serving breakfast this morning, you know, we're laughing, we're, we're chuckling, we're having a good time, and then there's this moment where I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened. That's going on right now. And then, and then there would be more moments of laughing and chuckling and enjoying our work together and be, oh, yeah, that's, that's right there. It's just, it's just still right there. With the Rao family, and and it's this roller coaster, and I kind of figure what's what's interesting is that that's a lot what motherhood must be like, you know. I mean, um, starting with childbirth, you know, like the, the pain of childbirth and the joy of having your child, and, um, and and it's just I'm sure it's this up and down roller coaster of emotions all of the time, and uh, I don't know. So we're gonna, we're going to dive in here today, and we're going to enjoy um, a little bit of, of conversation about. Um, moms, and, and how God has outfitted women with this mother's heart. Even if you aren't a mother here, God has created you and outfitted you with the heart of a mother, and we need that. That is desperately important for us, but we're also going to talk a little bit about tragedy, and we're going to talk about how do we understand this, and how do we work through this, and what do we do moving forward, and so we're going we're to be kind of a mixed bag this morning, and so um, yeah, we're going we're to jump in, and and I want to say this as we start, that right now what's happening in the world that we live in, we live in the in-between. Any of you Stranger Things fans? Um, you're, you're, all, you're all in on the upside down, right? Come on, who watches Stranger Things? Okay, you all look at me like, no, I can't raise my hand in church, no. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it either. So you all you understand the upside down, right? Uh, but we live, we, we are now, we're living in the in-between, uh, the in between is this weird time when we live in the kingdom of God, kind of. We live in the kingdom of God, almost. We live in the kingdom of God in in part. And so what happens is we experience these great movements of prayer, and we experience this great joy, and we see in a lot of ways how God just works and does miraculous things. That's why sometimes we pray for healing, and guess what? Healing happens. We pray for miracles, and miracles happen. You're never going to hear me stand up here and tell you that, that, oh, you know what, none of that stuff ever happens today. No, of course it does. We pray for those things, and those things can happen. And when they do, we celebrate them, and we know that they happen because the kingdom of God is here. But at the same time, we live in the not yet. See, we read read here that, that Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is Jesus talking, and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. I usher in the kingdom of God. It is a new reality now that I'm here. But yet we also read in Scripture that it's not yet. We read here death has been swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? But you know what that's referring to? That's referring to, to this time when the perishable becomes imperishable, where the temporary becomes permanent. So see, the kingdom is here but the kingdom is not yet. But we know that because it's been ushered in, in part, that there is this future that waits. That's why we read in Revelation 21.4. We read that he will, and this is a future, this is when God brings all things to a close. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. See, this is the weird time that we live in, and this is what I need you to understand, because here's the thing. Some of you are wondering why. Why do these things happen? And worse than that, you're wondering, why do they happen to good people? I mean, if you, if you knew Chauncey and Brittany and those boys Why? It was the question Carrie and I had asked to us at the hospital. Why him? Why not me? Why not me? You know, uh, his, his, his sweet mother-in-law. My kids are grown. My kids are out of the house. Why not me? Why does it have to be this way? And, you know, we live in that with why? Why does it happen? Why not me? What's going on? And, and, and we try to navigate through these things and... Um, here's what I can tell you. We're not there yet. It's coming. It's been ushered in, but we're not there yet. And because we're not there yet, these things are going to happen. Christian, listen to me. If you are here today and you are following Christ, know this. Gird yourself with this truth. Be ready for it. These things will happen. And they suck. And we hate them and they hurt, and when people ask you why, the only answer you can utter, the only answer you can utter, I don't care how well-meaning you are, the only answer that you can utter when somebody asks you why is simply this, I don't know. I don't know why God moves here at times, and I don't know why God doesn't move here at times. It's out of my pay grade. Here's what I know. We are living in the in-between. The kingdom is here in power, but the kingdom is not yet fully Realized. But there is coming a day where death will be swallowed up in victory, where Jesus will wipe away every tear, where there will be no mourning and no death and no crying or pain because the old order of things has passed away. This is what I need you to look forward to. This is what I need you to understand about why we live in this tension. This is what I need you to understand about why your mission is so critical. Get this? We grieve for Chauncey, but Chauncey is good. That's not just a trite thing to say to make people feel better. Listen to me. Get this right. Don't be confused. We grieve for Chauncey because of the pain his leaving leaves behind. We grieve for Chauncey because of the mess that that leaves Brittany and the boys and the extended family. We grieve for Chauncey for those things, but but make no mistake about it, we don't grieve for Chauncey because Chauncey is good. Because Chauncey understood the gospel of Jesus Christ and he had committed to following it. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. Was he closer than I'll be? Probably. He's good. So understand this. This is what this means. We grieve, but we grieve as people with hope. And our hope is in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, I, I mean, this is, this is I, listen, I'm not trying to give you a hard sell, except that's stupid. Yes, I am. Because how do you know? If you are here this morning and you do not know the hope of Jesus Christ, man, I I just I implore you to consider the truth that, uh, just consider the truth of Chauncey. The truth that Chauncey's death is tragic and his passing is heartbreaking, but he is good. And he is good because... So we live in this in-between time, and it's difficult, and it's hard to process, but I want to tell you this. God has provided for us. Ultimately, on the cross, yes, he's provided, but but he's provided help for us to navigate this. And you know what I I want you to understand on this Mother's Day is that part of how we navigate this is, is the heart of a mother. See, look at this in Genesis 127. So God created mankind... In his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And one of the things that we tend to do, because we always talk about, and, and appropriately so, um, I don't want to get off the reservation here, but because God is referred to as our heavenly father. So we always think of God, our father in heaven. But one of the things that we lack because of the way our language works, and because we think of God as our father in heaven, our heavenly father, we think of God's qualities as overtly masculine the way that we would describe masculine qualities, okay? But the thing that I need you to understand about what, what that says in Genesis 1:27 is that God, in his image, created them male and in his image created them female. And so the heart of a mother is part of the heart of God. The thing that moves women with the mother heart, and again, I'm not talking about whether or not you have children of your own. I'm talking about that heart that exists in you. The thing that moves you, the passion, the caring, the empathy, the genuine concern, the thing that you have that we lack. And we, we can be good at it. Men, we can be good at that. We can have that, but it's always going to lack to a degree because that's not in our nature. It's not the way God created us as men, the way that he created the women in our lives. But that heart, the things we think of as overtly feminine, that is part of God's character. Part of God's provision for the world, especially in brokenness, is the mother heart. the part that you carry that carries burdens that, that people can't possibly realize that you carry, the, the part of you that just cries out in angst, the part of you that, that hurts in a way that in, in, unless we're, we're on the inside, the part of you that hurts in a way that we just would never know, that's part of the character of God that he's given you that mother heart that is provision for a broken world. Part of how we navigate this, part of how we do this, is, is you. He's provided what we need to navigate through this. Okay, and so we continue, and I want to make this as clear as I can possibly make this. In Genesis 2.18, what happens here is God has created and it's good, and he's created Adam, and he's looked around, and everything is right. Everything is the way he designed it, and he looks at Adam, and we've talked about this before. He looks, and he says, man, that's not good. That dude needs help. That guy by himself is going to be in trouble, right? That would be like the men in the kitchen this morning without Becky Luchin. We'd have been like, all right, we got eggs, We got bread. What do we do with it? Right? The way this all planned out is we, uh, she went way above and beyond what we asked Becky to do because it's Mother's Day and we wanted the men to be able to do this. So we asked her, hey, help us out. What would be a good thing for us to make that would be easy for men to make? And that turned into, well, here's what we're going to make. And you know what? Here's the... Here's the ingredient. Now I'll just get the ingredients. Here's how you... I'll just bit it all together. Here's how you... I'll leave sticky notes where you need to know. <laughs> I got there about 7 o'clock this morning, and sticky notes on the griddle. Turn to 350. <laughs> sticky note on the warmer. Turn to 250. Sticky note on the stuff in the fridge. French toast batter. I'm surprised she didn't put one on the bread that said Bread. Becky looked, and I don't know what this says about your elders, but she looked at the collective group of elders and said, (laughs) that's not good. (laughs) Well, that's the way God looked at us too. Not that they weren't good. Not that we weren't good men, but that we weren't complete. Because there was no mother heart in a man. And so God looks at man and he says, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. And then he says this. He says, it's not good. I will make a helper suitable for him. And don't get stuck on the word helper, man. I mean, battle lines have been drawn on the word helper. Don't do it. The word helper there, it's the Hebrew word uh, ezer. It's bigger than you think. It's more complicated than you think. We translate it helper because it's the best way we can figure out how to do it. Um, It's like me using the word fast in English. Do I mean it like, man, that guy is fast? Do I mean it like, well, he is fasting right now because he has blood work tomorrow? Do I mean, wow, he ate his dinner very fast? Do I mean it like he held fast to truth? I mean, it's one word that could mean any number of things. The word helper is that same way. The way it's most commonly used in the Old Testament, it's the word, I think I've told you this before, it's the word used for God helping the Israelites. There's nothing insignificant about that. That's not about getting a sandwich. Right. That's not about, hey, can you help me out and, and go run this errand? No, no, no. This is, this is a level of help that, you, that you, you haven't possibly realized. This is the word that God uses when he says, I, God of the universe, am going to help my people. He uses that same word to say, It is not good for Adam to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. I will bring a helper suitable for him, someone that completes him, someone that is also of my divine character, someone that has the mother heart, someone that can make this thing whole, someone that can navigate this mess. The reason we can do this is because God has created men and women to go together. And We're going to talk more about biblical womanhood. We are. Uh, That was what we were supposed to talk about today, was biblical womanhood. And we are going to do that, but we're not going to do it right now. Uh, We'll wait a couple of weeks. We had an open week, and we'll just push that back. And so if you were here this morning and you wanted to know what the Bible says about biblical womanhood, here's what it says in a nutshell. We'll talk more later. It says you're awesome. It says you're necessary. It says the world does not work without you because you are part of God's divine character in humanity and we will deal more with that in a few weeks but but today i just here's what i need you to know i need you to know that on top of that your heart ladies in your heart is provision for a broken world part of your design is to step into a broken world okay now you were created in perfection just like The rest of humanity uh, and the rest of the world but in this brokenness part of your design is to step in with the heart that god has given you and you grieve well and you love well and your passion makes this work you know what i experienced at the hospital the other day carrie and i were there and we both commented um honestly she picked up on it more than i did and i picked up on it because i'm i'm you know if i picked up on it it was strong Um, Carrie picked up on it, you know, Brittany's still mothering. She's in the hospital grieving the loss of her husband and mourning, um, the, the pain that her, and the uncertainty that her son is going through. And yet she's still mothering. Her mother heart is shining through. She's worried about Chauncey's mom. How's she holding up? How's she doing? She's worried about her other boys. I mean, she is rock-starring it up in the hospital, trying to find socks and shoes so that her two boys can go outside and play at the Iowa City Hospital, where they have the children's area, because her mother heart just didn't stop. That's the way that God's wired you guys, not just her. That's the way God's wired you. You're necessary to navigate the tragedies of this world. So, quickly, why do they happen? There's a couple things I want to share with you um, that go past the I don't know. Okay, I don't know why these things happen. I don't know what they are. Uh, But there's a couple things that I think will help us. These are things I've shared with you before that I want to continue to remind you of. Um, uh, I think this will help in times like this. It'll help you navigate when your heart hurts and when you can't make sense of things. And it'll help you communicate these things to people that are asking tough questions. Okay? First one is this. I need you to remember God's heart. Remember his character. Know who God is. First John tells us that God is love. That does not mean that God loves well. It does not mean that God is a loving God. It does not mean that God is really good at loving people. What it means is that the very character of God, the very person of God, is synonymous with love. When you look at what real love is supposed to look like, committed, passionate, agape love, when you look at what real love is supposed to look like, That is what God looks like. God is love. And the other thing that you need to remember that'll help us navigate this is that not only is God love, we get that, this is the part that hurts a little bit, this is the part that gets confusing, and it's that God is all-powerful. God is omnipotent. Omnipotent is the fancy theological word that just means he is all-powerful. right away you start to be able to put those two statements together and start to wonder why tragedy happens. And I can't, I can't answer the question. Why this time? Why this way? Why did this happen? I can't answer the question for you, but here's what I know. Here's what I can hold fast to. Here's what will not change, no matter how complicated it gets and how much I don't understand. God is love. God is all-powerful. Those two things do not waver. Scripture teaches them. Scripture holds them up. Scripture makes sure that we understand that those two things are true. What happens in the face of tragedy is we start to, we start to compromise one of the two of those. Sometimes we, we start to compromise, well, maybe God's not as loving as I thought he was. Because if God's all powerful and these things happen, maybe he's just not as loving as I thought he was. Maybe he doesn't care as much as I thought he cared. And we start to compromise. Or you say, well, God loves really well, but this still happens. So maybe God isn't capable of doing whatever he thinks is right. Maybe God's not capable of pulling it off. Maybe God's not as powerful as I thought he was. And what I'm going to tell you is, no, 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 neither one of those are compromised. Both of those are absolutely true. And in the face of tragedy, we don't understand why, but we don't compromise and we don't pull back on who God is. Okay, so there's five things that we can consider, though. One is that God is not the creator of evil and suffering. When God was done, after he uh, creates the world, creates man, creates woman, creates everything in it, and sin is not a part of it, and he steps back and he says, This is very good. God is not the creator of evil and suffering, it is not part of the world because of God's design. Sin breaks the world. Sin breaks the physical nature, sin breaks the moral nature, and sin breaks the natural order. Sin enters the world. That is the root cause of suffering and evil, not God. God is not the creator of this, it's the brokenness that we bring to it. So we put that in practical terms. And I need you to hear me. And I, I, I know most of you are like, well, Matt, of course we get that. But you know what? I need every single person to hear me. That fire that happened very early on Friday morning does not have God as its cause. God didn't do it. God's Created world didn't do it. The broken world that we live in is the cause of that. The sin that runs rampant in the world caused that. The fact that we live in the yes, the kingdom is now, but no, it's not yet, that's where that comes from. That's not from the heart of God, it's not from God's design, it's from the brokenness of the world that we live in. God is not the creator of evil and suffering. And here's a promise though evil and suffering, aren't good and they're not God's plan, God can and will use them to accomplish his good purposes. Romans 8 28 tells us that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. And that is a verse that we throw out tritely when a guy breaks his leg or he ends up in the hospital or his car breaks down and and it's, oh, everything is bad. Oh, don't worry. God will work everything for good. Right? We've misused that. We've overused that. We've taken all the power away from it. But if we go back and we strip it away and we look at this incident at this time, right now, if we look at it the way it is with the Rao family right now, I don't know how and I don't know what, but I know that while God didn't cause that, God will use it for something that we have yet to fathom. We will be able to look back at some point in time, hopefully in this Life, if not, we'll see it in eternity where we will look back and we will say, yes, God took that tragedy and he did that amazing work through it. And I promise you this, there will be a time where Chauncey will say it was well worth it. And there will be a time where Brittany will say it was well worth it. And guys, there's going to be a time where Isaac will say, it was well worth it. Nobody will say they wanted it. But I promise you, they will say it's worth it. And some of you are like, you can't possibly imagine what might come from this that would make that okay, much less good that could come from it. I don't know because I'm not God. I can only put myself in that situation. And I've told you this before. You know what? I, there is nothing that I could think of worse than, than, than losing or, or suffering with my, my wife and children. But my wife is good. My wife is solid. My wife has incredible faith. She has faith that um, dwarfs mine on my best day, and I think I have pretty good faith. She is solid. And if something were to happen to her, there's no doubt in my mind that she would be dancing with Jesus. And she's not a dancer. (laughs) But I think heaven does that to you. No doubt in my mind, we would be miserable. But we've talked before about my family that has, well, parts of my family that have no faith, and parts of Carrie's family that have no faith, and how much that we have have prayed for them, how much we have... Um, talked about our desire for them to come to know who Jesus Christ is. How much we have talked about how desperately we want them to come to some understanding of the God of the universe and come to the cross and receive salvation because we love them like crazy and we want to spend eternity with them and we don't want them to die without knowing this reality. Because as awesome as heaven is, hell is that bad. And this is this is a desperate desire of ours. It's one of our heart's prayer. Well, what if? You know, what if it's the loss of Carrie and the grace of the church that comes around my family that brings some of them to understand and know and explore and eventually submit to the God of the universe? This day, this week, this month, this. The rest of this lifetime might be tragic, but the rest of eternity is going to be glorious because they'll be there, and perhaps this was the thing that pushed it. God will never cause these things to happen, but God promises in his word that he will not let them go to waste. So God did not cause this fire. God did not cause this tragedy, but I promise you this, and you can take solace and you can have comfort. God will not waste it. There will be a point where we see that this worked for good because that's the power of God. That's the omnipotence of a God that loves us. He won't waste it. He didn't want it to happen, but it happened, and he will not let it go to waste. Not one tear will go to waste. Third thing. The day is coming when suffering will cease and God will judge evil. We read that, Revelation 21, where death will be no more and God will wipe away every tear and there will be no more sorrow or mourning or pain because the day is coming when evil will be judged. And you might wonder, well, hurry up, God, get here then. But listen to me. There are people we love. There are people that we love that if God were to hurry up and get here, There are people that we love that are looking at a reality of eternal hell, and that's not words. That's not flippant. That is scriptural reality. That is the same truth that tells me about a God that loves me in heaven, tells me about a God who, even though he loves us, cannot, cannot look at evil, can't have evil and sin in his presence, and so it's only through the cross that we can get to him. It's the same reality, and and. and, We could say, God, hurry up and get here because I'm sick of the evil. I'm sick of the pain. I'm sick of the suffering. But you know what? God isn't being slow. He's not lingering because he just is, "Eh, I'm not quite ready yet. I want to watch the rest of this Seinfeld episode. I'm not sure how it ends. Like God doesn't know how all Seinfeld episodes end. Some of you know how all Seinfeld episodes end. Be proud. It's okay. And then maybe turn off the TV. But... He's not being slow about his promises. Some of you might think, no, 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 he's being patient for your sake. Why? Because he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He doesn't want anyone to suffer in hell. He wants everyone to repent. Listen, he can't forgive you unless you ask, repent, and come to the cross. But he is being slow to do this, to judge evil and suffering and to put it out forever. He's being slow to bring the kingdom in fullness Because he loves people that have yet to turn to him, and he wants to give them every opportunity to come to him. And it's just a subtle shift, but it's like, why? Why is it happening? Why is it happening? Why doesn't he fix it? Well, if he fixes it, then the people that are on your heart that aren't there, then the hope is gone. So God is waiting And he's not being slow as we think he's being slow, but he's being patient, not wanting anyone to perish. A couple of more things to consider that should help us navigate this, I hope. Not make it easier, but should help us be able to process. Our suffering will pale in comparison to what God has in store. Christian, your hard days, I'm not saying this is something I say to somebody as they grieve, Okay, that's not helpful, right? This isn't a conversation I had with Brittany at the hospital on Friday because that would have been dumb. It would have been insensitive and I may not have a mother heart, but I'm smarter than that. But something we can know and something that she will realize and something that we all will experience is that what happens in this finite, temporary existence will pale in comparison to what's to come for all of eternity. Romans 8.18 tells us, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed later. It's nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed later. You think about um, after you have been in heaven for 50,341 years, three months, and six days, are you really going to care too much about what happened yesterday in that one 24-hour period? When you've been in heaven 52,000 years, three months, six days in glory. If, you don't, if you're not sure what heaven's going to be like, we did a whole series on heaven earlier this year. Go back and listen to it. We've got seven weeks talking about how awesome heaven is going to be. You're not going to be on a cloud playing a harp. I'm sorry. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be good. Check it out. Go back and listen. But you're going to be there 52,000 years, three months, and six days, and you're going to put that on a scale with the rest of eternity still to come. It's never going to end. It's just you've only had the 52,000 years, uh, and it's going to go and go and go forever and ever and ever, and you're going to think about, man, March 12th, 2018, that was a rough day. And you're going to put those on the scale together, What do you think you're going to worry about? There's nothing here. It doesn't make it feel different right now, but it should give us hope. It should give us hope. Last thing when these happen, we have two choices we turn bitter or we turn to God. honestly, those are really the only choices that you have as a Christian or as someone that's debating Christianity, someone that's trying to figure out if Jesus is for you, someone that's not sure what to think about all of this. Um, These are the moments where you have two choices. You can get bitter or you can lean in. You cannot be both. You can be angry and confused, sure. Sure. you can't live there. I've been doing this for not a long time. And I've had more of these things happen than I would care to have happen. And unfortunately, I think I'll have many more uh, in my time as a pastor. Hope not. Hope I'm wrong. That would be cool. God and I have talked about it. I was mad Friday. I'll just be honest with you. I was mad at God on Friday. There was a minute there. Carrie was gracious enough to come with me when, when she took the day off work and we went to the hospital and we made rounds and we visited parents and we did, we did the things that we needed to do. Um, and I'm glad that she was there because that kind of maybe kept me even. But I, you know, I, I was pretty irritated. You know what I found? I found it was hard to pray. On a day that I needed to be in prayer more than anything else, it was hard for me to pray. And God's okay with that. God's not surprised by my confusion. God's not surprised by my, my emotional reaction. But you know what? Uh, it was later that night. I was actually in the car on the way home. Just sitting there on my phone. Uh, Terry's driving, just in Quiet. And I kind of have this moment where it's, okay, God, I'm done. Think about your kids that have temper tantrums. And they cry and they yell and they slam doors. And then there's a point where they just, (sighs) I'm done. And that's how it was. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. You're right. You're God. You love. You'll work it for good you'll navigate it. You'll make it right. Eternity will prove to be true. Everything will be the way that it's supposed to be. And this is the moment where we either turn bitter or we turn to God. There's really no other choice. And I don't know where you're at right now. Some of you, were two tragedies ago, you turned bitter and you've been bitter ever since. And some of you, um, you get this and you understand it. And some of you are wrestling with it right now. I, I don't know where you're at, but listen to me. You cannot be bitter and expect to continue to to, to go well. There are, there are countless stories of people who have walked away from faith or who have, who have shunned their relationship with God, who have gone um, even anti-God in their communication with other people. Why? Because they can't figure out how to navigate tragedy. Tragedy is their go-to answer for why don't you believe in the God of the universe? Well, because if God were real, this wouldn't happen. When these things happen, you can get bitter Or you can turn to God. And here's the thing. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew these things would happen. Jesus knew that you would have those two choices. Jesus knew that Satan would try to use these things to drive a wedge between you and him, that Satan would try to ruin your faith in these ways. Jesus knew that, and so here's what he told us. When he told us it was going to get bad, he said, look, guys, it's going to get bad. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to get better. See, that's what floors me about people that say, well, if God were real, then everything should be great. Well, God is real. God told us in person, in the person of Jesus Christ, he said, hey, guys, just so you know, it's going to suck. It's going to be bad. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. And then he says, I'm not trying to be hard to get along with. I'm telling you all this so that when it happens, you can have some peace in me. Man, here on earth, there's going to be trials and sorrows and house fires and burned kids and death and it's awful and it's tragic and I'm telling you this so that you can have peace In me when it doesn't make sense to you. Take heart, because I have overcome the world. It's going to be okay. Listen to me. God is telling you this this morning. He's saying it to Brittany. He's saying it to his children. He's saying it to you with his mother heart. He's got you by the face. And he moves it in front of his. You know, you've done this to your kids, right? He moves it in front of, in front of his so that, so that your eyes are locked. And here's what he's saying to you. Take heart. I know it hurts. I know it's hard. I know that there is pain, and I know that there are sorrows. I know that it doesn't make sense to you. And in this world, that's the way it's going to be. But take heart, because I have overcome the world and I didn't cause evil, and I will judge evil, and I will use evil for something good. I will redeem it. I will take Satan's best plan for evil, and I will turn it into something beautiful. And what you have in eternity is going to make this insignificant. You just have to wait, and you just have to trust. Look at me. Take heart. I've overcome the world. That's what Jesus says to you in, in, in his mother heart today. I mean, that, that's what he says. He, he, he It's going to be okay. Three words. He just, I've got this. That's what he says. Is, I've got it. Just trust me. And so I want to encourage you. You can either get bitter or you can turn to God. Last text. Look at this. Lamentations 3, 19 through 24. This is Jeremiah in in tragedy. This isn't personal tragedy. This is national tragedy that he's talking about. And it it caused a lot of death and a lot of pain and a lot of suffering in this national tragedy. It's the fall of a city. Here's what he says to God. I will never forget this awful time. Any of you gone through tragedy, you know, even if it's not tragedy, even if it's just the, the normal ebb and flow of life, you don't forget. He says, I'll never forget this as I grieve over my loss, yet I dare to hope because the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every single morning. I want, to, I want to leave you there today, and I want to encourage you in that. You don't have to forget. You don't have to run away from it. Acknowledge it. Understand it. Grieve. Grieve over the loss. Grieve for Brittany. Grieve for the Rao family. Um, break your hearts in prayer for them. Be the church to them. But as you grieve, remember that you grieve as people with hope. I'm going to pray for us. Malia's going to come with a couple of announcements, things that are important for us to know. Uh, I want to encourage you when you leave. Uh, for all of the women, we have a gift for you. I know this isn't like, hey, it's Mother's Day. I know it's 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 different. Um, but I, here's the thing: you are loved and cared for more. Um, hopefully then you realize your heart, your passion, the mother heart that you have is exactly what we need at moments like this and God knew it and he gave it to you Um, and you are the provision to deal with a world that doesn't work right, okay? So I'm going to pray for us and then here's what I'm going to do. If you've got kids downstairs, I want to go talk with them just briefly, kind of give them an update. Sorry, I'm a little echoey. I want to give them an update about Isaac uh, and just we're going to pray together for Isaac. I'm not going to give them a lot of details. That's not what they need. They certainly don't need that from me. We're just going to acknowledge that Isaac is sick, that he is in the hospital, that he's dealing with some burns, and that we are praying that he will get better and praying that, that he will recover. Some of them will know more than that. Some of them won't. Um, parents, I'll leave that to you to share with them, what you will, but I want you to know what I'm going to share with them and, and pray with them and, and do that downstairs uh, as we close up up here. But when you leave, we have a gift for you. Please make sure you grab it. Uh, it's, it's just, we love and care for you and just so appreciate the women um, in our church and in our community. Would you pray with me and then Malia will, will come on up? Heavenly Father God, we just love you. We thank you. We just ask for your grace and peace this morning. We think specifically. Um, of of the Rao family, Father, we thank you for for Chauncey's faith, and because of his faith and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, and Chauncey's decision to follow you to turn away from his himself and to follow Jesus, that that we know that He is good. We thank you for glory. We thank you for for eternity. We thank you for salvation, and and Father, we thank you for the fact that that you have provided what we need to navigate this broken, messy life. We thank you for the heart that you've put in Brittany, and we ask you to strengthen it, to encourage her, to build her up, to help her grieve and mother at the same time, to help her navigate those two things, which is uniquely feminine quality. Father, we ask you to to strengthen that in her, we ask you to strengthen uh, the heart of people that come around her to love. We ask you to empower the church to care for widows and orphans um, and, and just to be who you've called us to be. We ask your healing hand on Isaac that you would continue to pour love and grace out on him, that you would draw infection away from his body, that you would, that you would help him um, deal with the pain, that you would, uh, as he... As he continues to, to try to communicate and navigate that, that you would just give peace to his spirit in a way that only you can do, father we pray for skill for doctors and nurses and technicians that are working with him and with the family. We ask for um, we ask for just um, the right words to talk to to the other boys too, Wayland and calvin as as they try to navigate what 's going on and what to expect and what Uh, this is supposed to be like. Father, we just ask for those things, knowing that your heart is with them, that you love and care for them with a crazy kind of a love, that you are love, that you have poured out for them, and that you will continue to do so. God, we just love you, and we praise you. Amen.